0: In today's show, we're talking about the eight games in the NBA, some news, some waiver moves, all that stuff. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always, at RedRock on TikTok at RedRock underscore on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball on Substack, JoshLloyd48.substack.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Picks. Yep. Oh, what am I compl- I've lost my mind. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match. Up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. That's pricepix.com, promo code locked on. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free, we are available on all platforms. We're going to talk about the games on Monday. There were eight of them, there's lots of stuff to get to. So, yeah, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. All <laughs> <laughs> right. We had a Cade Cunningham update, and the update was there is no update, which doesn't help us at all. I, I don't know what to make of any of this stuff. Cade's in full practice gear working out three weeks ago. Cade's apparently skipping rope. Cade's contemplating surgery. I, I don't know what's going on. Um, I think the player there is too good. This is a, it was a top 40 player for the last two and a half months of last season to just drop without any update. But like I said on one of the earlier shows today, I think if you're sitting in a situation where you're struggling, you've got multiple injuries, your injury reserve is filled up, like it's really hard. Like I don't think he's back in December. So it might be January. You might just have to cut. Like You might have to. I am not doing that. But I think that you've, that decision's got to come up because if we get an update today that's not an update, that means they're probably not going to provide another update this week and we don't get any more information for maybe like another week to two weeks at the best. Like, I don't know. Look, I can say this and in two hours time, Shams comes out and say, Cade's having surgery. don't know. All we're going by is what we've heard and what we've heard is nothing. They're just going to keep resting and evaluating, which is really frustrating for us. Injury reporting, that information is pretty confusing and it is hard to deal with, but it is going to be circumstance dependent what you do with Cunningham in this situation. And I think that you can, yeah, again, some can drop, but the vast majority, or I would be holding if I could, if I could. Um, Brad Beal, we talked about this yesterday. The expectation was minimum a week and that's what we've got. That's a hamstring. That's what's going to happen. Minimum a week there for Bealow. He's going to be re-evaluated in a week. I'd expect it's probably a little bit longer than that. Um, that means that Monty Morris gets a boost. It means Denny Avdia gets a boost. It means Corey Kispert gets a boost. It means Jordan Goodwin gets a boost. I think Morris and Kispert probably are the guys we add. Morris for assists, Kispert for threes and points, Avdia for defensive stats, but it's not going to be like Beal's 37 minutes. All just go to one player. You're going know, to get six or seven, go to Morris. You're going to get five or six, go to Goodwin. You're going to get you know, 18 or 15 or whatever, go to Kispert. You're going to get six, go to um uh. The bloke's name, um, Avdia. It's going to split around into multiple different positions like that. I think you also look at Porzingis, you look at Kuzma, but obviously they're already rostered, but they're going to get a boost. They're going to get more usage in this situation with Beal out. An update in Houston, J. Sean Tate, the wild thing. Still has no timetable to return, which is great in terms of trying to get value out of KJ Martin and Tari Eason. Whereas when Tate returns, it's just going to make things even more complicated. It's not great for him, of course, but it's great for trying to get those value of those other guys. Well, some good news in Utah. Both Rudy Gay and Mike Conley might return on Wednesday, basically two weeks, since Jazz reporters told us it definitely wasn't a two-week injury, and he was just going to be day-to-day. So there we are, two weeks return for Conley. I'd still hold Sexton until we see what happens, and then maybe he's a drop a little bit after that. But for now, we just hold and we see where that goes. Let's look at the waiver wire, the most added players over the last 24 hours. Number one is Andrew Nemhard up twenty, uh, sorry, 43%. That was great. He should have been added yesterday. Add him now. Hold him. We'll see what happens when Halliburton returns. It's obviously a really um, beneficial situation with Halliburton and McConnell being out at the same time, but he'd already earned a pretty solid role. And Don't just drop him when Halliburton comes back. AJ Griffin up 26%. I think he's a must-roster player while Hunter and Collins are out, so at least another week. Timmy Hardaway up 22%. It is going to cool off. You add him, you use him, and if you can get a top 70 player, you might not, but people make crazy decisions sometimes. If you can get a top 70 player, you absolutely trade him away, but it's a nice hot streak. We've seen Tim Hardaway do this before. Have a hot streak at my last 10 games, at my last 20 games. Right, and then it is gonna fall away. Like his first fifteen to twenty games of this season were a horrific cold streak. And now he's getting hot and then it will fall in between somewhere. But we just enjoy what's happening now. Jeremiah Robinson was up twenty two percent. The minutes for him remain secure. The production wasn't quite there today. He is only a back end guy, like he's a clear drop. For any of those guys above him, like I wouldn't bother having him over any of Nembhard Griffin or Hardaway. I wouldn't even bother having him over a Jalen Johnson, even though that's only a short-term situation, replacing John Collins. Jalen Johnson up 18%. Uh, Jose Alvarado up 10%. Again, I thought it might have been more as people chased that 38-point performance from yesterday. I don't think there's any chance of that sticking. And as long as Ingram and Jones are out, he's going to have increased role. But when they come back, it'll go back to a 20-minute-a-night role, And he's not going to be viable in a 12-team league, I don't think. The Cockroach Mason Plumlee's up 9%. Yeah, like, we know what he is. He gets 28 minutes a night. There's use in 12-team leagues if you're punting free throws. If he loses a starting role, then you drop him. Well, Santiago Dharma was up 9%. Good move to stream him in for today. The Grizzlies don't play again until Friday, and that's their last game of the week, I believe. Um, so you you don't know. Is, is that right? Okay. Why do I keep getting the Grizzly schedule in my head wrong? There's something wrong with my brain in looking at the Grizzly schedule. No, they play Wednesday and Friday. My bad. But they're both high-volume days, and Jaron Jackson's going to be back. And Jaron Jackson said that he's probably, or someone said about Jaron Jackson, he's not going to be sitting back-to-backs for very much longer, if at all. So the Sun T value is just going to come when Jaron is out. So it was great to stream him for today, and that's about it. The most dropped player is Zach Collins, down 31%. Yes, they don't play until Thursday. Maybe you add him back on Thursday if Pirtle and Sohan remain out. But dropping him now is totally the right decision. Um, Justice Windsor down 26%. Yes, Damian Lillard is back. So he moves back to the bench. Easy drop. Austin Reeves down 14%. Yeah, look, I think he's going to be on and off of teams and streaming and all that sort of stuff all season. Uh, Look, even tomorrow, it's a low volume day and the Lakers play. So maybe Reeves is worth having for that. You got the big stiffy bones, Highland down 13%. Now that five minute game from him yesterday is clearly not the norm. I don't know what the hell to expect from him on a nightly basis. Are we going to get Ish Smith playing over him every night? Surely not, but I, I just don't know. I wouldn't have been that quick to drop the five minute man here. I probably would hold on, but it is trending clearly in the wrong direction. Grayson Allen down 11%. Yes, very easy drop. Tony Warren Jr. down 11% okay, that's full. I wouldn't have added him. Um, A lot of people did. He didn't do much yesterday. I think, what, four points he scored. I think he can move on from him. Larry Nance down 10%. Yeah, look, it's just not happening for Nance at the moment. It's not helping him that the Pelicans are involved in blowouts every single game, basically. And the one game that he wasn't in a blowout, it was a four-point game against the Thunder. He didn't play. Every other game in the last seven has been double digits. And he's just seeing lower minutes. If he's a a 25-minute-a-night player, he's a 12-team guy. He just can't hit it. At the moment. So I I get moving on, but always be ready to re add if you need to. And Seth Curry down 10%. I think that makes quite a bit of sense as well. Today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks. Price Picks is daily fantasy, but it's a different sort of daily fantasy. It's not your salary cap daily fantasy, it's daily fantasy where you go in and just look at player projections that go over under. You get between two to six of the individual player projections, put them into your entry, and you can win up to 25 times back. It's fast. You can do it in under 60 seconds. Shout out Bones Highland. You can also get those withdrawals really fast as well, and it's super easy to do. It's available in over 30 US states and in Canada, but it's not just the NBA. You can run through disc golf, the NFL, NHL, college sports, football, basketball. You've got NASCAR. You've got soccer. You've got golf. You've got eSports. You've got boxing. You've got MMA, cricket, the World Cup, so many different things at PricePix. So download the PricePix app or go to pricepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% Instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Price Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Okay, that'll take us onto the games. The first game, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Orlando Magic. Hmm. Okay, Milwaukee wins at 109-102. Brook Lopez was resting. Grayson Allen was out with that plantar fascia issue. Giannis returned and had 34, 13, 5, 1 steal, 2 blocks, 2 triples, 57, and 73. Like, I don't know what more you could ask for. That is literally what Giannis does. I know people have been disappointed with him this season. Okay? Like, I feel like he's doing not far off what you want him to do. He's averaging 56 fantasy points a game. That's pretty much bang on, I would have thought. Drew Holiday had 17, 8, and 10 with two steals. Rough shooting night, while Punch Bob had 18 and 10 in 27 minutes. Whenever Bobby can do this, I'd always look to try and sell high on him as a top 75, 80 guy in return, because I just don't think he maintains that when they're fully, fully cranking. Interestingly, they started Jordan Wara and not Javon Carter. Wara had six points in 9, 10 minutes. We don't really need to care about that. But it was interesting that he started over Carter. Carter, I think you can drop two points with six assists. It's also a great buy-low opportunity for Chris Middleton. Now, I say this just in terms of the actual number. In terms of the psychology of it, it's probably not likely. But five points on 9% shooting, nine, with five assists. People held on to him for eight weeks, seven weeks. He's finally back. So you would think that the person who held on for seven weeks would have a level of grace for him to get better. But have you met people? this doesn't always happen. The people will want to make crazy decisions at all times. And sometimes people make rage drops and rage trades all the time. I waited seven weeks for you, Middleton, and you score five points on 9%. You killed me, right? Someone will do that. It won't be many people. You've got to understand who the person who has Middleton is in a trade. And a sell high is probably not... uh, Sorry, a buy low is probably not going to work. But people are people and people react emotionally to things. And... Yeah, like, I just don't want him off my team. I just want him off my team. Some people will have that idea. It's not something that's always going to work and you know your individual league or your league mates. Well, you at least know them better than I do. It's worth at least inquiring because the frustration can build. Of, I've waited for this bloke for so long and this is what he brings. What am I waiting? Why did I wait? Try it. Maybe. Um. AJ Green had a little bit of a hot streak there. 12 points with three threes. He, there's nothing else there, and he's just not gonna play most nights for the magic. Oh yeah, I always love when I can do this. Um Yeah. Flaming Moe Wagner started with Bumba and Carter out. 32 minutes, 19, 12, and 4, and 70% shooting. Last three games, I think, or four, four games he started, there's been a couple of good ones in there, a couple of struggle ones. Is he a better player than Mo Bumba? I'm not sure. But I'm also I'm also interested to know what Mosley thinks about where they fit in the pecking order. Wagner's at least a stream while Bumba's out, and we'll see if he's able to maintain value. But him playing 32 minutes while Bol Bol plays 19 and not in foul trouble is really, really interesting. Bowl had a Richie Benno. Two for two, two, two. Not the good type. Two points, two rebounds, two assists. He shot 25% from the field. And he was a plus three in a game they lost. No foul trouble. So very weird. You know that I've been banging on that I think Bowl is going to lose minutes as the season goes on. You obviously can't sell high after this sort of a performance. And I don't think that 19 minutes a night is the realistic future outcome for Bowl every night but I'm also not ruling that out. There's still Carter, Suggs, Bumba, Akeke, Harris, and Lord Voldemort to come back. It's a lot of blokes. It's a lot of blokes. Franz Wagner had 25 and six. Bunkero 20 and 12 with seven assists. Unfortunately, he shot 25% from the field parlor, but it was great to see a high-volume free-throw night. He went uh, 12 of 15 from the line. That's 80%. That's great, because he'd been really dragging you down there, but I guess I buried the lead. Mark Fultz played 32 minutes. Minutes restriction done. 20 points, two threes, four rebounds, two assists, two steals. Now, the assist level is nowhere near where it was last season. And it was never going to stick at that level, most likely. But I'm super encouraged by him playing 32 minutes while Cole Anthony played 21. Fultz is a 12-team league guy. There are going to be issues at times with field goals, like this one where he shot 44%. He's been a bad free throw player in the past. And there's still the return of Jalen Suggs and Gary Harris as to where they fit. I don't know but I think Fultz is the guy here over Cole Anthony, but I do fear it's going to go back and forth a lot. Anthony had zero points on 0 of 9 shooting, 21 minutes, five rebounds, and two steals. I think he is going to sort of settle into a a 25-minute-a-night role when these players return. I don't know what they're going to do in terms of starting. I think Fultz is going to start, but it will be Suggs or Harris. I think it'll be Suggs. That means Boll is going to move to the bench, and it just crowds everything. Be aware that there's going to be some pretty... Decent-sized changes, I think, with this rotation as we move forward. But some very interesting things here with a poor performance from Cole, a bad performance from Bowl, and huge minutes for Marco Fultz and an out-of-the-box one from Flaming Mo Wagner. The second game of the day, Kawhi Leonard gets the game-winner. 119 for the Clippers. Well, he didn't score 119. That would have been a good game. They scored 119. The Hornets scored 117. Kawhi gets the game-winner. And 16, 6, and 2 with a triple zero is not all that good. Took only two free throws, 47%. It's not that good. But 28 minutes. And that's what you should look at and go, oh, okay. I remember seeing somewhere someone was like, I bet he never plays 30 minutes in a game again or this season. It's like, okay. Is it 28 already? Like he's going to pass 30. That's a hugely, hugely encouraging sign. And even though the 16, 6, and 2 is like it's mid, it's it's all right. But we're at 28 minutes already. First game back. That should be massively encouraging. Does he still look like Kawhi? No, like he's, he doesn't. I don't know if he ever will. But he was good enough to hit that game winner. And it is encouraging. That's what we'll say. It's encouraging. Paul George also played only 28 minutes. 19-3 and 7 Well, Johnny Wall did his best rush on Rondo. He had 12-5-12. and 12. He had a triple one. He shot 31 from the field and 50 from the line, obliterating both percentages. And that's where Wall's category league problem has been. Just bad field goals, bad free throws, limited rebounds, but getting good assists. And that's what you've got to weigh up, whether that makes sense on your squad or not. He is the 201st ranked player this season, but in certain punts, that'll rock it right up. Marcus Morris played better with George and Kawhi back, but they're back now. I think that, I I think he's a drop. Get that garbage out of here! Keep it going, Jack, for Reggie Jackson. Out of here. And we'll do one more for Terrence Mann. Get that garbage out of here. Mann played 15 minutes with 8 points. Jackson had 13 in 32 minutes, while Zubats had 9 and 8 with 2 blocks. Obviously, he had that huge game against the Pacers. I think it was last week. And he's expectedly called off. It was also a good game from Batum. 13 and 5, 4 threes and 2 steals. But is this the Batum game? And then the next one's the Mann game? then the next one's the Canard game? And then the next one's the Jackson game? Yeah, probably. Bob Covington out of the rotation, by the way. And Amir Coffey, who had been starting out of the rotation. For the Hornets, big game from Paul Washington Jr. 26 and four, four assists, four threes. He is a must roster player. Or well, Terry Rozier, I know people have been really disappointed in Rozier because of the field goal percentage. And we had no right to expect him to be this bad because the last two years, he had taken these big leaps forward and you know, I was skeptical on it at the start of last season. I, went, oh, I don't know, maybe the field goal is not real. You do it for two full years and I believe that you're a good shooter again, but apparently not. 36% on 22 attempts is a killer. But the counting stats are great. 22-5-8 with two steals. you got to punt field goals with him, basically. And I get it. When you drafted him, you didn't know that. You didn't expect that because it's not what happened the last two years. So that's frustrating. But you've got to make adjustments on that. Oubre was also pretty voluminous. 28-7 with four triples. 44% shooting. 67 from the line. Despite all the volume he's had this season, he is not a top 100 player. He is in points leagues. But I will maintain that he will lose value as the season goes on. When Lomelo comes back, usage drops. When Hayward comes back, minutes drop. When Martin comes back, minutes probably get impacted as well. And yes, some of that's a while away. I would always be trying to trade him for a top 70 guy or top 80 guy if I could. If I could. Big Dick Nick Richards had 11 and 10. Solid game, but it's still only 20 minutes. He's only a streamer or a hopeful hold. Well, the Cockroach Mason Plumlee, 8-12-4, and four, missed both his free throws, so that brings his overall ranking down. Jalen McDaniels was also pretty good, 9-4-6 and six with three steals, good numbers across the board. He will be the first one to lose value when LaMelo Ball returns, I, uh, I believe. Let's go to the next game, the Oklahoma City Thunder. They beat the Atlanta Hawks on the road, and... I know that I've talked about this a lot and I talked about it in some of the shows uh, earlier today. Talking about um, tanking and the way people's brains have been rotted by the way media and social media portrays it. And it's another one here. Like, Remember, I talked about this in the the preseason. I said, uh, everyone is so scared to draft anyone from any team uh, for any reason. Like, oh my God, Victor's coming. The Thunder are going to tank every game. The uh, Pistons are going to tank every game. The Jazz are going to tank. The Pacers are going to tank. Everyone's just going to tank every game because Victor's coming. And I said, I reckon, and I don't know, I don't know if this happened, but I reckon the NBA is going to be sending some back channel stuff like, "You better watch what you're doing here. You better watch the injury reports. You better watch the fake resting because we are going to crack down." I don't know whether that happened, but also coaches and players, until you get to April, they do not try to lose. They they don't. They they just don't try to lose. And sure, stuff might go wrong in, in April in terms of rotations of minutes. And we've talked about that a million times. Don't, I don't think you should play in April because that's when it happens. But the widespread narrative that I'm not taking a tanking guy because they're going to be sitting every time, like surely this is burnt into your head that just, just doesn't happen. Like it just, it's not a thing. This year, a generational prospect is on the line and it is not a thing. The Thunder are out here on the road beating the Hawks. The Jazz are in a playoff position. The Pacers, yeah, they're on a bit of a slide, but they've been playing well. Remember that. Anyway, onto the Thunder. Shea's brilliant. I think he had 15 free throw attempts in the final 15 minutes of the game. All of them. His free throw impact is the biggest of anyone's this season. He was a perfect 15 of 15 for 35, 6, and 5 with two steals. While Giddy, he did get benched early in the second half, but 17, 5, and 4, a steal, a block, and two threes is still a good fantasy line. And he's still a top 50 player over the last week. And he's almost a top 90 player for the season, despite some struggles. It's just annoying to see him get benched like this. We'll get to the big question. I know what your big question is. We'll get to that in a second. Robinson Earl, 10-6 in 29 minutes. This is what he is. What we like there is the minutes consistency, 29. But he's not going to blow up and put up huge numbers. He's just going to chip away and give you that number. That is fine to hold. It's also not a mandatory 12-10 league guy at all. Not even remotely close to it. Old Dort had 11-10 and, and shot poorly, and he he's just a bee's dick inside the top 150 this season, 149th, much better in points leagues, of course. We're at the Bronco, Jalen Williams. Broncos country, let's ride. Started, and this was one of the teams that decided to change their starting lineup just in minutes before tip-off, which is always sick. Great love when you do that. Jalen Williams moved into the starting lineup, 12 and seven, 60% shooting. He remains a luxury stash, but he's a luxury stash who's just providing 14-team league value as it is. So if you've got him in a 12-10 league, it's not like waiting for an Isaiah Jackson. And I'm I'm talking about this before I've even seen what happened in that Pacers game later today. Um, But Jackson's not providing that value, but Williams is. So you can hold him and hope that he improves into a larger role as the season goes on. It might not happen, but it is still a luxury stash, but with a baseline of some value there. And that means that it's rough sledding for Alexei Pokyshevsky. 13 minutes for Poku. He was a minus 10, the worst on the team. He does have horrific advanced stats. 2, 2, and 3 on 17%. He was like consistently getting 27, 28 minutes, and that's not happening anymore. If you want to move on, move on. Like the fantasy skill set is there for Poku, but it is feeling a little bit more like Williams and Robinson Earl are solidifying. Now, Poku might start next game. He might not. He might play 28 minutes. He might not. There's just a lot of inconsistency here. And before there was inconsistency, but two-thirds of the game would be good. Now it's like one-third of the games are good. And that's really hard to hold. Again, it's all about individual circumstances. But with the way things are trending at the moment, it is really hard to justify him as a hold in all formats. Trey Mann, only four points in 16 minutes. For the Hawks, Trey Young was back after whatever that incident was with... Nate McMillan, he started off pretty rough. And in the end, the scoring is fine. 23 and 37 minutes with 10 assists, but 32% and 91 from the line. That's why his ranking is as low as it is as the 34th ranked player this season because the field goal percentage is so bad. If he was hitting it anywhere near last season, he'd easily be a top 10 player. And in points leagues, he's 15th. Like, he's not that far off. Great game from DeJounte. 24, 6, and 3. Now, what we love there is two blocks, two steals, and three threes. But again, the basis... What's that thing called? The Rue? The, the, the base mixture of your recipe with DeJounte is big assists and big rebounds. And they're not there. And they're not coming back. Six rebounds, three assists. It's what hurts his overall value. Now, getting the blocks and steals there is really nice. He's never a blocks guy usually, but this is good. But it does obscure a little bit of his value. Klinker power. Lisa needs braces. 14 and 16 with two blocks. Drop it, link at Kongwu. There's no point. There's just no point holding him. Unless you're waiting for an injury, that's it. And I don't think that's a viable strategy. Adrian Griffin Jr. had 11 points in 30 minutes, three threes, three steals, shot horribly, 27%. But while Hunter and Collins are out, he's a must-roster player. I would prioritize him over Jalen Johnson, who did hurt his ankle in this game, but returned. Seven and nine for him in 29 minutes. He's still a viable 12-team guy. While Jarrett Culver started last game in place of Trey, he moved to the bench and had nine and five in 24 minutes. And he is just like a 16-team league short-term streaming option. The next game was the one with the shenanigans. The Celtics beat the Raptors 116 110. The Celtics decided they were starting Grant Williams and then decided the minute before the game to switch it back to Derek White. They already had Blake Griffin penciled in there as the center. They just mixed and matched, which is annoying. And then the Raptors did the same. They were going to start Gary Trent and then they announced that and they went, ah, no, we're not. We're starting Christian Coloco. Um, there needs to be rules that are more judiciously applied to this. Like if you're announcing a starting lineup and you're submitting it, you can't change it. Like Or if you change it, that player has to be ruled out for the game. They can't play. Um, I think it's ridiculous to be able to change like a minute, two minutes before whatever they're doing. It's pretty crazy. For the Celtics, no Al Horford, no Brogdon. So Tatum had 31 and 12. Jalen Brown had 21, 8 and 8. Inefficient stuff from Jalen, but good game overall from both of those guys. Well, Derek White. Did a Derek White thing. A triple one, but only nine points. Four rebounds, five assists. I would, if I could get any top 100 player for Derek White, I don't think I can, but Yahoo rankings are pushing his numbers way up. If I could get any top 100 guy, I would do it. No Brogdon, no Horford, no Rob Williams. He is going to lose out. I am fairly confident with that. I don't know when it will be, and you might lose a run of top 90 or top 110 value. I just think when you're trying to solidify things for later in the year, I'm not sure he's going to produce it as you want him to. Smart had 18, 3 and 7 in 39 minutes. Well, Blake Griffin, 32 Blake Griffin minutes. Yes, that happened. 13 and 8 for him on 83% shooting. I thought he played all right, took some charges, grabbed some big rebounds. I don't really care too much about it long term, but it was good. Well, Grant Williams had been starting to play better, and then he had 7 and 4. He just does not have the upside, I don't think, to be this great 12-team league guy and you know, three guys, Williams, Horford, Brogdon, who are going to come back and Williams might be a week or two away. I don't know. And thats I think it's really going to impact what Grant does and I, I don't believe he will be a 12-team league player. For The Raptors, they started Christian Coloco. He had five points in 22 minutes. Thad Young played 16 minutes for six and six. He's a drop. Boucher had eight and nine in 16 minutes and it's only fitting that Jack Armstrong gets to say it. Here. Well, this is a great opportunity, I think, to try and sell Gary Trent. Okay, and here's what you do. 26 minutes off the bench is the worrying sign, right? The 26 minutes is the worrying sign. But when you're trying to sell him, he had 20 points, he had two steals, he hit three threes. And what you say is, well, if he comes off the bench, more usage, he doesn't have to share with Barnes and Van Vliet and Siakam. He can just be the gunner and dominate. And that is not what happened here at all. He had 19% usage. The reason he got to that is he shot 70%. And he is not, if you know what Gary Trent is, you know he is not a 70% shooter. So I think he's going to trend towards a drop. I wouldn't drop him yet, but I think that's what the direction he's going to go. But this is the game where you can look at it and go, look, 20 points off the bench, man. There's no one there. He runs the second unit now. He's in charge. Scotland Barnes, 21-7-4, triple one. Really good game from him. While Siakam had 29-8-7. and Unfortunately, both of those guys struggled with their free throws. And let's talk about some other struggles. I think Fred Rambly is a gigantic buy low. Massive. He played 38 minutes, 8 and 7. He had two blocks. Um, I was down on him in the preseason. I had him as like a third round guy around number 30. And that's after he was like a top 20 player, pretty consistently. But my thing was with him, I worry about the knees. And I worry that the solution to protect the knees is to limit his minutes and drop him down from 38 a night. Well, we've already had the injury crop up with him. They haven't dropped his minutes. And now every shot in the world's not going in. But... I do not, I firmly believe that Fred Van Lee is not a 21% shooter. He might not be a 45% shooter, but I firmly believe he is not a 21% shooter. The blocks are there. Yeah, he's not He's not as good as last season. I think we know that. The usage is down. We're all well aware of this. But this is a massive buy low. And the reason I know it's a buy low is because someone said, hey, do I just drop Fred Van Lee? Like, no, you don't. But if people are thinking that, it doesn't mean the, the odds of it being one person in the world who is thinking, man, maybe I should drop Fred Van Vliet. And maybe it is one person who plays fantasy basketball in the entire world thought that and I just happened to see that comment. That would seem not the way that representation of statistics and sample sizes work though. So if one person's thinking that, others are at least thinking, man, I got to get rid of this guy. He's just killing me every week. And that's where you go in. I'll have a top 80 player. Yeah, you want a top 80 player? There, yeah, do it. Because Van Vliet's like outside the top 190 over the last week. Most leagues, people are smart and they're not going to do it. But intrusive thoughts creep in. What am I, what are, he's bad. He, he's cooked. His knees are done. He can't shoot anymore. He's killing my team. I've got to get rid of him. And that's where you try and pounce. That's how you try and do it. In my opinion, of course. All right, let's go on to um, big upset. The Rockets in double overtime beat the Philadelphia 76ers. 132-123. Embiid played 35 minutes. He had some sort of a minutes limit. He also had a trip to the locker room. 39-7, and seven, two steals, two blocks. It's a great game. Jim Harden returned, it. he was on limited minutes. 38 apparently is the limit. 21-4-7, two steals, and four triples. It was a rough night shooting. 21% is terrible, but he was 9-10 of 10 from the line. And I want to just... I tweeted this out, but I'll mention it again here. And it's important when I talk about the way that people absorb media, and even absorbing the media that 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 I do, and any sort of thing that's out there. It's important to understand context. Is that? I think it was like in the second quarter or so. Someone said, "Oh, Harden just took his first shot. Finally, his first field goal attempt." And you look at that and you go, "Huh? Why is he not taking any shots? That's weird. Is he worried about his foot? Is he being passive?" Um, Is he just playing point guard and deferring? What's going on, right? And while it was true, it was his first field goal attempt, he'd also taken eight free throw attempts at that point. Meaning, in general, he'd taken at least four shots and he'd been fouled on all of them. So he took the eight free throw attempts. So it's weird the way that this is uh, accounted for in a box score, that he took all those shots, but it looks like he's taken zero of them because they were all free throws. In the end, he took, 19 shots with 10 free throw attempts. But when you see that, like when you see that sort of stuff and people, it's even like, uh, to, uh, that didn't really really happen with Rudy Gobert the other day, but it was like, man, Gobert had zero field goal attempts, but he did have four free throws and it's still not great. But in this sort of situation, it makes you go, what's going on? Is it just, is Milton running the show now? What's happening? You no, know, Harden was still being aggressive. He was just getting free throws and couldn't get a clean shot off. And it's really important to, to get into that detail sometimes when something seems weird, figure out why it seems weird. anyway, 21-4 and 7 with four triples and two steals in his first game back and with plenty of room to improve I'm okay with that. So we wondered who would it be Melton or Milton at move to the bench it was Shake. He played 26 minutes, 11-3 and 4. He got a couple of those minutes when Harden reached his minutes limit in double overtime. Um they don't play again until the end of the week, Friday. I look Maxi is going to come back and hurt it even more. There'll be better nights here for Shake, but it's not like he shot poorly. He just didn't get the minutes or opportunities, 50% shooting. 11, 3, and 4. Yeah, people were asking me, even before hey, Do I take the risk, and in general, oh, it's a bit risky, but I think you'll I think it'll pay off. Yeah, I, think it, I think it will pay off. Get that here! As for Melton, he doesn't need a lot of shots to get value. He played 40 minutes. He took eight shots, nine points, but three threes, eight rebounds, six assists, and two steals. So we hold on to De'Anthony Melton until Tyrese Maxey returns. PJ Tucker scored three points in 42 minutes, and it almost seems impossible, but there we are. Um, and then we've got the Thick Hogsman, 46 minutes for Tobias Harris. Um, I think I am a TH. T to the H. Yeah, TH for life. 27 with seven triples, three steals and a block. The three steals is huge. He's not a normal steals guy, but he has been this season. I would absolutely use this to sell high for any top 60 player. I really do not have faith that Harris maintains this. He's been really helped by absences to Embiid, Harden, and Maxi, as well as an elevated steal rate, all pushing together to make his bet numbers look better than I think they're going to finish the season. But maybe he is a steals guy now. Maybe he is a guy that's going to maintain usage with those other guys back. I highly doubt that, but that's the sort of calculation I try to make. For the Rockets, Tari regular season. 21 minutes, which is annoying in a double overtime game. 18-6, and six, two triples, three steals, a block. He'll occasionally have these games where the luxury stash turns into the usable line. The confusing or the annoying part is 21 minutes. But the reason why we look at him as a luxury stash and the same way we look at Jalen Williams' as a luxury stash, is we look at him and we go, yeah, he's, yeah, he's good, he's good. And the guys around him, Eric Gordon, Jay Sean Tate, KJ Martin even, are not as good. It's just going to take the coach a little bit of time to figure this out, to give him that role. It's frustrating waiting for it. And you might be waiting until February. But at least Eason's giving us this little, like the little sliver. Just giving us a crumb. You're going, see what I can do? And then it makes you want to hold. And for everyone, you can't do it. Not everyone can hold on to him. Because you can't deal with a guy who's the 184th ranked player this season. That's before today's game. He's averaging just 20 fantasy points. It's really hard to do that. But if you're free of injuries and you're sitting all right with your record, I think at some point he's going to play 27-9. I don't know when Silas will wake up and yeah, waiting for Silas to wake up is a different story. But we saw why. Jalen Green, who'd been struggling a little bit, he's actually outside the top 280 over the last week. 27, four and seven. And what I'm most encouraged about there is the 10 free throw attempts and hitting nine of them. But the seven assists, that's the part that brings him to top 25 eventually in his career. KPJ had 24 and six with a steal, a block, not great shooting, but still, he's been he's been a real steal. He was outside the top 100 in ADP and Yahoo rank in the preseason. Well, the delicate dancer, Alperen Shengun. It's a delicate dance in just 17 steps. Now, 8 and eight's nothing to get excited about. It's not. But he played 34 minutes. He fouled out. And he was really low on minutes, but he played all the overtime before that foul out. That's encouraging given some of the silliness From Silas about Fernando and Garuba prior to that. Garuba barely played. Fernando got the backup minutes there. We breathe. We live another day here with Sengun and his value. Eric Gordon played 40 minutes. I mean, sure. 14-3-4 in 40 minutes for him. He's just a stream guy, and that is really about it. This one here, pretty bad loss for Miami against the Grizzlies. 101-93 against the Grizzlies team with everyone out, really. Um, Miami had no Oladipo and no Yurtsev, but every other bloke on their injury report played. Hero apparently is now just a... I don't know. He's like Andre Drummond, I guess. Everyone has a hero. True. Zero people shouldn't have a hero. Yes. Um, 23 and 13. I don't know how he's become this rebounding guy, but he has. I guess when you're playing basically shooting guards at the 2, 3, and 4, someone's got to grab him and it's him. And that's you know, useful. The efficiency was a little bit rough. While Kyle Lowry... Double-cheeked up. On a Thursday afternoon. Only 10 points, but seven rebounds, six assists, and three threes. Butler returned, played through that knee issue. Well, didn't return. He played through the questionable tag. 18, six, and eight. And we've been wondering what Bam's usage would look like with those guys back. It fell. 15, five, and four in 39 minutes. Caleb Martin played 34, 16 points with nothing else and four triples. I, it's We love holding him for this week, but I think he's going to be a drop, and I'm bloody sure that Max Struess is going to be a drop after this week. We hold for the three more quality games this week, but four points in 23 minutes. This is what I talked about so much with Strews. Is that, and Oladipo hasn't even returned. But when players are back, he's not going to have this role. Enjoy it while it's there. And then when they come back, he goes to the bench. He'll have a game where he has 16 points with five threes. But that's two real stinkers in a row from Struder. He is now outside the top 130 for the season. Keep an eye on Haywood Highsmith. Six points in 14 minutes. He had two threes. He had three steals. He had a block. He is... A top 100 player over the last week. I don't think we want to add him in 12-team leagues, but he's available everywhere. Like, I'd add him in 16s. I I probably wouldn't in 14s. But he's a guy that I thought could challenge Caleb Martin early in the season for the starting power forward gig. He's not there yet. But in deeper leagues, the good schedule this week, Hayward Highsmith is someone to watch. Gabe Vincent, only 14 minutes. I think his knee's really bothering him. He missed both of his shots. Well, the Grizzlies, they were without Jaron Jackson, John Conchar, and Des Bain. And Zio Williams, who's not far away from a return. And Jake LaRavia. A lot of guys out and they still win. Tyus Jones, 28-5-10-2 and 10, two steals. Huge win. A huge performance. We know the story with Tyus. Jars out, you stream him. He's 197th ranked player this season. But when Jars out, you stream him. Simple. When Jaren's out, you stream Santi Aldama. 34 minutes, 18 and 10 2 threes, a steal and a block on 67% shooting. But Jaren looks like he won't sit back-to-backs for much longer, if at all. With Steven Adams back, Brandon Clark played just 20 minutes, 11 and four. He's a 12-team drop. He is strictly a backup center. That is it. David Roddy Piper played 34 minutes. He had six points, but he had two blocks. He's not going to be a rotation player every night, but there's just so many guys out that he had to play. Well, Dylan Brooksy Brooks had the worst plus minus on the team, and that's not a, I criticize Dylan Brooks a lot. You know that. But that's not a usual thing. He's normally way up there in on-offs and advanced stats. It was just a bad one for him because he can't help himself. 17 points on 32% shooting. That's 22 attempts. It's horrific. How he fits when they're fully whole and they haven't been yet is a big question. I don't think he'll be a 12-team league guy. Dynasty Leagues, I reckon you want to watch Kennedy Chandler. 26 minutes, 9-3-5, and five, two steals and a block. I think I had him in my first round of the draft before the actual NBA draft. And I think there's a little bit of something there. Now, on this team, he's the third string point guard behind Tyus and Jar. But when you're talking dynasty leagues, you're not talking about this year, are you? Tyus isn't going to be there forever. Jar probably will be, but Kennedy Chandler might not be there forever. I think he's got Tyus Jones type upside. Or maybe something better. He might be a little bit small for that. But every time I've seen him on a court this season, this is a similar feeling I got to watching AJ Griffin get mop up minutes earlier in the year for the Hawks. It's like, oh, this guy looks okay. And that's sort of where I'm sitting with Kennedy Chandler at the moment. And I reckon I'm going to have that feeling at some point with the Rockets and Ty-Ty Washington, but we're not there yet. He's another name to watch out for. But good win for the Grizzlies. Huge win for the Grizzlies, in fact, over a Miami Heat team that really should have been able to handle them given all the players that were out. The next one is the Phoenix Suns. Pulverized by the Mavericks again, one 111. The Suns decided to start Ish Wainwright. I mean, of course, why wouldn't you? In the second half, they didn't. They started Josh Okogie, who's now put together two good games in a row. And I have to pay attention to it now which is annoying because he's bad. 12 points in 28 minutes, two triples, three assists, two steals and a block. This is because Tory Craig is out, who is starting because Cam Johnson is out. I don't think we're doing anything with a Kogi in 12-team leagues or 14-team leagues, but it's definitely me, making me pay attention. Like, I'd probably rather him than Dario Saric, who had three points in 16 minutes. Devin Booker, who has been great. He sucked. It was, he was bad. 11 points, one three, sprained his ankle, played through it, but watch that one. Mikhail Bridges had 13 points on 36%. It was just bad for most of these players, but DeAndre Aiden, credit where it's due, mate. 20 and eight, three blocks. Great, 82%. Unbelievable stuff. Really impressive. Cameron Payne shot 25%, which is disgusting, but 14, six, and 10 is great. We keep rolling with him until campaign returns. Well, Damo Lee, normally he's a good three points runner, but he added a lot of stuff here. 23 minutes, 13, five, and three with two steals. And I think if Craig remains out, along with Johnson, yeah, Lee is at least on the periphery of a 12-team stream. He's not a 12-team must-roster, but he's on the periphery of it. For the Mavericks, Kemba Walker was available to play, but did not. I don't think there's any reason to have him in a 12-team league. Luka had 33-6-8 and eight and played only 29 minutes. Or Dinwiddie had 21-4-2. and two. And the big fella from Australia, Josh Green, 16-4-5 with two steals. And his shooting this season has been ludicrous. Now, it's hard for me to rely upon Josh Green to be a 70, or in this case, 86% shooter, But he was a massive plus minus again. He had only 12 usage. We talked about him on the EPM segment last week of how good his numbers looked. He probably deserves a larger role. I don't think we need to add him in many fantasy leagues, but that was encouraging. Tim Hardaway only played 23 minutes, but 17 with five threes, we add him. The Crucifix had 18 and nine, solid numbers. Um, And Finney Smith, in keeping with tradition, did nothing. He has been useless. Now they have the back-to-back. And he's fine as a streamer because finding 30-minute-a-night guys who at some point in their career have done something is useful on low-volume days. He's just been so piss poor that it's really hard to feel any level of confidence in streaming him. In fact, I might think Josh Green is actually better than him at this stage, which is frustrating um, given where he has been at at points in his career. But yeah, he is still rostered in a lot of leagues, old mate Finney Smith. And... uh, the only reason to hold here is because of the way the schedule has broken for the Mavericks this week. All right, let's do the last one: the Pacers on the road without Halliburton and Miles Turner beat the Warriors 112-104 because I won't say it's because of one man, but it's because of one man, Andrew Nembhard. 41 minutes, 31-8 and 13, five triples, 62% shooting. This man's a top 50 player over the last week. He's been an excellent stream addition. Yes, Halliburton out has really helped him and McConnell out has really helped him. We had already seen the trend that he was getting more minutes than McConnell anyway. I think there's, a, I think he sticks in the starting line, but I don't think there's any way you can really you know, drop him way down so Chris Duarte can come back. I don't rate Duarte as a player, as you're probably well aware, um, but Nembhard's killing it. You've got to have him for the time being and then we see where this goes. Because obviously, this usage, these assist opportunities, and these minutes are not something that's going to happen every game because Halliburton's going to play. I don't know how long Halliburton's going to be out. It's a groin soreness. I don't think it's going to be long-term. But we grab this, and we see where it goes. Um, Jalen Smith. Stand by your man! Started at center. There's a couple of things to take away from this. 15-9 and 9 with two threes and three blocks is literally everything that we hoped Smith would provide when he was picked in the 80s or 90s. That's it. Fifteen points, nine rebounds, two threes, three blocks. You don't expect, but give me those. Like that is what you hope for. He's a top one hundred player over the last week. I don't want to get sucked back in, but I am for this reason. The value is there in this game, right? And the little run of form is good. But what is really interesting is that Miles Turner was out, and Smith started at center. Now, I don't think real life in general, Smith is a very good center. He gets bullied. He gets knocked around so much. But for putting up fantasy numbers, it helps you get more rebounds. It helps you get a higher field goal percentage. It helps you get more blocks. And if Turner does get traded, there's a boost maybe coming for Smith if they're going to start him. And that brings me to Isaiah Jackson, who we talked about luxury stashes. 13 points and three blocks is still, that's a good number. But we have seen it a few times now that when Turner doesn't play, sometimes when Turner doesn't play, Jackson starts, but he didn't start here. When you've got a luxury stash where now you've got doubt that if the trade happens, he might not even start anyway. If that doubt creeps in and it's crept in here, um, it's really hard to hold on. Now, maybe Turner does get traded or doesn't, but maybe Turner does get traded and Jackson is a 27-minute night center. He's a clear must-roster player. But prior to that, I thought, yeah, well, Turner's getting doubt and I thought Jackson's going to be the starter. And now I look at those things and go, Turner might be dealt, and Jackson maybe is the starter. And that is two doubtful things into that thought process, along with you know, below average production that makes it really hard to hold. O'Shea, O'Shea Brissett stepped up. 32 minutes, 14 and eight, with three threes of steal, and a block. We've seen him in the past with opportunities, could have put up good numbers, and he benefited here from Turner's absence. I wouldn't do much with that. While um, on the downside... It's rough from Benedict Matherin. He played 40 minutes. He started his first game, 14-2-1. Didn't hit a three, didn't have a defensive stat. Shot 25 from the field and 75 from the line. He is outside the top 200 over the last week, outside the top 175 for the season, outside the top 125 in fantasy points leagues. In a points league, I'd probably hold him. In a category league, we know the fantasy profile is not that good. The low rebounds and assists the low defensive stats, he's a scorer. And at the moment, it's a really hard time for him. And I don't know if it's just a slump or if it's defense's game planning for him because of how good he had been. He's still getting to the line a ton, but it's a big drop off because he was shooting like 45% from three or something like that, which was realistically not going to stick. Again, it's going to depend on your tolerance for waiting. And I think he's worth waiting, but is his upside actually that good in a category league? I'm not sure that it is because of the lack of contributions in so many different categories. I think he's at least now you go, hmm, or oh, maybe he's a droppable player. For the Warriors, Wiggins was out, so they started pool. He had 23, 5, and 4, and Clay had 28 with 8 triples. Good game from Clay. Wasn't a good game from Steph Curry. I know people clown. love clowning on me, man. Josh said, don't draft Steph Curry in, in the first round. He said he was a do-not-draft player, which is not what I said. I said, I don't want to pick him at pick six. And I said, um, I'd probably take him at 10 or 11 towards the end of the first round because I had worries about injury and rest, foot off the gas, all that sort of stuff. And then he can came out and put up the best numbers of his career. Steph Curry's outside the top 20 over the last week. He had 12, 4, and 6. That's before this game. He had 12, 4, and 6 on 18% shooting with two threes and a steal. Now, of course, he's not this bad, right? Pretty obviously, he's not this bad. But it's always when you're banking on a 34, 35-year-old to have career numbers in rim finishing, rebounding, and just shooting in general, and playing 36, 37 minutes a night, that is what my skepticism was with Steph. So I, I don't know what you need to do with it, but it's just showing that there's, you know, crowing about being wrong after 10 games, or even being right. There's a lot of stuff that can happen and change. And Steph will be better than this. I've actually got him projected sixth rest of the season. But we'll see where that ends up going. right? Because he is having to play such a large role on this clearly flawed team. But this was not a good performance. DiVincenzo had 10-7 and seven with three steals, while Kaminga played 23 minutes, 10-4. and four. Both of those guys getting a boost with Wiggins out. Just remember that for other rests in the future. Well, Draymond had been shooting really well, shot 13% for two points, but he had nine rebounds, five assists, one steal, two blocks. He's been great this season. Top 60 player before today's game. Top 90 in points leagues. This will drop him probably a little bit. Anthony Lamb did nothing. Kavon Looney really struggled with just six points in 14 minutes. Let's go to the monstrous line of the night. You know who it is. It's big fella, Andrew Nembhard, the rookie. He's also the young gun of the night because he is, of course, a young gun. The waiver wire line of the night is not Nempard because he's rostered in 64% of advanced leagues and I have a 50% cutoff here. So the waiver wire line of the night is Tyus Jones. We love streaming in Tyus when Jar Moran is out. We love it. And then you drop him when Jar comes back. And the dud of the night is the Indiana Pacers other rookie, Benedict Matherin. Interestingly, Nempard has a higher Raptor value and EPM value than Matherin this season. But if you use Darko, DPM, Matherin's actually ahead. So the advanced stats are probably leaning in Nempard's favor, which I was actually stunned to find out. Top 10 players in category leagues today. Number one is Nembard. Number two is Tyus Jones. Joel Embiid at three. Doncic, four. Giannis, five. Shea at six. Seven was Toby Harris. Eight. Jason Tatum, nine. Drew Holiday and ten. Tyler Hero. Top 10 players rostered in under 50% of leagues. Tyus Jones at one. Great stream when Jar's out. Drop him otherwise. Mo Wagner. I love the stream of him if Bumba remains out, but we don't know about that. Aldama's only useful when Jaron's out. Tari Eason, I spent a lot of time on. Luxury stash value there. Josh Green, I'd love it to be a thing. I'm not really convinced. O'Shea Brissett, probably not. Damian Lee's a good streamer. Eight is Usman Jeng. We're watching that one. Haywood Highsmith, he's available everywhere. Every 16-team league should be adding Haywood Highsmith, I think. And number 10 is Sandro Mamu Kalishvili. Top 10 players in points leagues today. Number one was Giannis, then Nempard, Embiid, Doncic, Tyus Jones, Jason, Jason Tatum, Shea Gudis Alexander, Tyler totally Hero, Pascal Siakam, and number 10 was Paulo Banchero. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Odyssey. While here on YouTube, thumb it up. Leave your comments down below. Thumb it up and subscribe. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.